0: Thank you guys for being here as we continue this series. Um, so the whole idea of this series, Omni. we're talking about um, some of God's characteristics, And the idea is that if we learn a little bit more about God, we can get closer to Him. We know more about him, that relationship increases. We understand Him more. We feel like we really, really have a connection with Him. And that's the point of this. As we're, we're opening up some of these qualities of God, the idea is that we walk away feeling like, I think I know God more. And that's so critical and so awesome for us to experience. So that's what we're going to continue on and, and continue to talk about. We're talking about these omni qualities. And God has a few of them. And the word omni just basically means unlimited. And it's kind of hard for us to grasp as humans because everything we experience is, is limited. But in our doctrine and our belief of who our God is he has unlimited qualities and these are really really important for us to be able to see and understand and know so last week we talked about God that he was omnipotent it means all the power all the power and we talked about how we serve an awesome God an awesome God did anybody this last week catch themselves and rearrange their vocabulary (laughs) did anybody I did I was like talking to somebody, I'm like, man, that's awesome. Nope. (laughs) It's it's cool. That's sweet. It's not awesome. Because I just preached a message last week that talked about what awesome means. And yeah, it's not awesome. We're going to continue to talk this week about another one of God's omni qualities. Let me reveal something to you about myself. And if you worked with me on a team, you probably aren't surprised by this. I despise uncertainty. I despise it. I cannot stand uncertainty. I do not like it. I am a man who needs a plan. I need a plan. We're going to do this. How are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? What are we going to do? I hate vagueness. When people give you, I might be able to, I'm like, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. Yes or no? Yes or no? I hate uncertainty. I just, I just despise it. I'm like, you know, certainty. I'm coming. I'm not coming. One of the things that just drives me crazy, do you ever get this one when you ask somebody if they're going to do something and they say, I think I should be able to? You think you should be able to. What does that mean? <laughs> so text back, yes or no? You're going to do it or you aren't going to do it? Just tell me because I despise uncertainty. I can't stand it. It's one of those things that's just like a pet peeve of mine is not having certainty. I'm a person like, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And if this doesn't work, we're going to do this. And that's just me. Um, some of you guys are probably similar to me. Any people who are the uncertainty haters? Raise your hand real quick. Very good. Yes, you're the people. I want a plan, right? As long as we have a plan, we're okay. If we don't have a plan, we're just adrift, and who knows what could happen, right? But all of us deal with this in, in some sense or another. And even if you aren't the person who raised your hand, you're like, oh, yeah, I hate uncertainty. I know that you still do, because we face moments in our life that are extremely uncertain, and these are the ones that really do, they, they are hard to deal with. Man, it could be... Um, when it comes to what we're going to do with our life after we get out of high school or college or a new career, uh, it could be in regards to relationships that we have with people and them being shaky or, or hard to, to deal with. It could be with finances. It could be thing. When there's uncertainty, it makes it really, really difficult to feel confident, doesn't it? Anytime there's uncertainty in any one of those areas, uh, it, it puts stress on us and strain. And a lot of times, literally, it's not even necessarily that something's wrong, it's just the uncertainty of whether or not it's right or not. And that brings stress and strain on us. Bob Parsons, he's the guy who actually uh, founded GoDaddy. You Remember that company that takes and sells domain names? It's actually his third multi-million dollar company he built in his life. Very smart dude. If you want to learn about business, feel free to read some of this stuff. He says that speaking specifically about business, but I believe it applies to life. Very seldom will the worst consequences be anywhere near as bad as a cloud of undefined consequences. He said, often when you're worrying and you're, you're all stressed out about uncertainty, what's going to happen, he says, often that's worse than if you just sat down and you said, what's the worst thing that could happen? And you, you realized it and you penned it and that's the worst thing that could happen. And then a lot of times you'd step back and say, I'd still be okay. And he says, a lot of times that cloud of, I don't know what could happen, It's way more oppressive, way more of a weight on our chest, way more of that that feeling, you know, when you wake up and you feel like you can't catch your breath, that anxiety. He says often it's just that cloud of uncertainty. Really, even the worst case scenario doesn't feel as heavy as that uncertainty does. Uncertainty brings us discomfort we spend a significant amount of time in it in our lives, you understand that. We try our best as human beings to control things. That is one of our, our natures as a human being. We like to control things. We like to be able to understand and have our dominion over them. And often they can change in an instant, things can fall apart, and when that uncertainty hits, that's where a lot of strain comes into our life. God never has to deal with this. Never. In fact, he finds himself on the exact opposite end of the spectrum which is what we're talking about which is the fact that he is omniscient the term omniscient which is one of god's omni qualities means unlimited understanding knowledge and awareness it means that that he knows all and everything throughout and the bible talks about this it points out the fact of what it is that god knows and i want to run through some some verses with you so you can understand this i'm not just talking at you where you're like oh good theory cameron but where the Bible really points out that God understands this, this multitude of stuff in our life. So we're going to run through a few scriptures. Follow with me, track with me, don't get lost as we go through this, okay? But I want to show you this. First and foremost, God understands and knows, he is omniscient of, knowledgeable of, all of creation. All of creation throughout. It says this in Hebrews 4.13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable it's basically saying, whatever you've experienced in creation, all of it throughout, there is nothing that's tucked away or any knowledge that is lacking of it. He understands every bit of creation. Last week, we talked about some of these massive things in our, in our universe, right? We talked about the cosmos and these gigantic beings, and it says God understands all of this. All of it, all the details of it, nothing is kept secret. Matthew 10, 29-30 goes even more in depth in understanding of this. It says... What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now this, this takes it to a whole nother step. Because some of us could understand, yeah, God knows everything in a general sense. Jesus pinpoints God knows everything in an extremely detailed sense. It's not just he just knows about you. He knows Every single hair on your head. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Older gentleman, he knows how many hairs are in your nose. (laughs) Or your ears. My left ear grows faster than my right ear. Anybody have that problem? Older guys? One ear? I don't understand how that happens. He knows it. He knows every detail. He knows your waist size. He knows your shoe size. He knows your hat size. He knows everything. The smallest details. He goes on to say basically every single sparrow that mean. Have we seen those clouds sometimes? Have you guys ever been going down like Route 39 in the the spring or the fall? And you'll see those literal just like they're clouds of birds that'll come in and flock. And it says God doesn't just know them as in he knows that there's birds there. He knows every single one of them intimately. That maybe even each of them has a name. Who knows? Something specific. He knows in detail every single bird. And when one falls, it's not outside of his knowledge. He knows that that one had just passed away. Nothing escapes his knowledge. The very smallest details are understandable to him. He knows it. There's nothing, no small detail, no big picture that he doesn't understand, even to an insane scale. Obviously, knowing the number of hairs on our head seems ridiculous. Why would God know that? Because he knows all of these smallest details. He you know he understands creation, but he understands not just what is, but what could be. He understands possibilities. He understands all future possibilities. It says this in First uh, Samuel 23. David is running from King Saul. And he finds himself at a place where Saul is chasing him, trying to kill him. And David seeks the Lord's insight. And he says this in First Samuel 23, 10-13. David prayed, O Lord God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilah because I'm here. Will the leaders of Keilah betray me? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord God of Israel, please tell me, again David asked, will the leaders of Keilah betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, Yes, they will betray you. So David and his men, about 600 of them now, left Keilah and began roaming the countryside. Word soon reached Saul that David had escaped, so he didn't go to Keilah after all. Now this is important. Because God said, yes, he will come to Keilah, and he didn't. So was God lying? No. See, because David asked, if I stay here, what will happen? And God said, if you stay, Saul will come. And if Saul comes, the people of Keilah will not protect you. In fact, they'll turn you over to him. So David decided to do something else, and Saul never went to Keilah, and that situation never happened. But it reveals to us that God not only understands all that is, Like, God sees the macro picture. Like, if you look at our life, and if every decision was a fork in our life, from the very beginning to the very end, God not only sees the path we're on, he sees every single path that's a possibility in our life. He knows it. Each decision we might make, he understands what follows down that path and what follows down this path. It says this, in Proverbs 5.21, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does examining every path he takes and I would say every path he does not take as well. God understands every path in our life, every turn and decision. If we seek his knowledge on it, he can reveal what lies down that path at the end of it. He knows it from beginning to the very end. Every single web, every single decision, every single branch that we could take in our possibilities, he understands it. And that is awesome to think about. Not just that he knows what is, but he knows what could be in every direction, both positive, negative. So he understands creation, he understands the possibilities, and he understands you. You. And this is where it gets a little bit more personal because the, the Bible references the fact that it's not just that God has this, this macro knowledge, but he has a very, very, intimate, personal knowledge of each and every one of us, deeper than, than any human relationship we've ever had, deeper than any romantic relationship or fatherly or motherly relationship that we've ever had in our lives. Psalm 139, 1-6 says like this, O oh Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge. It's too wonderful for me. Too great for me to understand. What would be a good word for that? Very good. Awesome. Too great for me to understand. Too wonderful for me. It says that God, he has a deep and intense knowledge of you. Not a general overarching knowledge of you, like, oh yeah, he knows I exist, he knows what I do, but he says that that he literally says, you know the words I'm going to say before I say them. That you know my inmost, you know my, my feelings, you know my thoughts that race through my head, you know every single aspect of who I am from beginning to end, you experience it with me. It's such a deep knowledge, one that we can hardly comprehend, that a being would know all of us through and through holistically. Every physical, every emotional, every spiritual piece of who we are. Psalm 139 goes on in verse 15 and 17. It says this, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. This is amazing stuff. We have pregnant people in our church right now. And, and it's just miraculous when you think about this. That God knows that child right now as it's being woven together in that womb and knows all the plans. It says this, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. It says that God knows us so intimately that as we're being literally knitted together in our mother's womb, that he not only knows us then, but he knows us throughout our life. And this is one of those things that's that's so hard to comprehend, but it's so important for us to realize that God is not inside of our timeline. He sits outside of it. See, we as human beings, we are bound by this thing called time. And we experience it from second one of, of our past conception all the way through to the very moment our life clocks out, we are bound by this, this device called time, that we are constantly passing and moving forward through it. But the Bible points to the fact that God sits outside of time, that he does not sit inside of time. Time was a system that he set up for us to live under. It's like almost like turning on the video game, okay? We exist inside of this environment, and God exists outside of it. And the picture shows that God, sitting outside of time, literally exists before the world began and he exists after the world has finished at the exact same time. That his omniscience is not only present right now, but he exists throughout all the way to the end of time. So when he looks at us, he does not see our today, he sees our day one to the last day of our lives all at once. That he understands every moment of our existence from very beginning to end, all at one time, existing outside of of time. Just as it says this, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You had seen every opportunity in my life and you had seen what my life would be. Now people will say, now this freaks me out, Cameron, because then does that mean that we don't have free will? If it's all laid out, does that mean that we don't have free will? And see, no, that's the backwards thinking of it. It's not that we don't have free will because it's all laid out. What I'm saying is, you have free will to choose what you want in your life. And it's because God has already watched the story. He's already passed it that he knows all these things. He didn't lay out decisions for you and you're following them. It's that almost he's watched the show once before. He's watched what's happened once before. He sits past the events of this world and when he looks at you, he sees it all. Yes, you still have the free will. You're still making your decisions in your life. You're not following some sort of uh, thing that God had pointed out that you're going to do this and you're going to do this. That's not it. We believe in free will. That's integral to our faith. But God's seen it and he understands it and he knows it. If you feel sometimes when I'm talking about this, this is hard to get, you're in good company. This stuff has been being talked about for thousands and thousands of years trying to be understood. It's not that he controlled it, but he's already seen it. The Lord knows the fullness of knowledge about ourselves, about what could happen, about creation. And this is what this means, and this is where it gets kind of crazy. It means that God can't do some things. Because of his full knowledge, did you ever think about the fact that God can't learn? He can't learn, his knowledge is complete. He cannot learn a new thing. It does not exist. He knows all of what this universe holds. He cannot learn something new. As well, this one will mess you up, God can't think. God can't think, not like we think. Because our thinking is a reasoning and a comparing, trying to determine what is right or what is best. God already knows. His mind does not need to compare and decipher. It is instantaneous knowledge of all things. He doesn't need to think, and this one is perhaps one of the coolest qualities about God and one of the most important for us. God cannot change, because if God could change, that means He could get better, and He can't. We believe in the fullness of His omnipotence, the fullness of him, His omniscience, that He cannot get any better. He cannot get. Any, he cannot change. He is, through and through. And although this seems like, oh, well, what does that matter? It is so critical to our existence. heard a preacher say once, perhaps God's characteristic of being unchanging is the most important characteristic for our existence. This is why he meant it. God's inability to change is an amazing blessing to our relationship with him. Because he can't decide tomorrow that he hates us. He can't just change his mind. We are the spaz in the relationship, if you want to understand that. God is the consistent. He is the, no, it's still the same. He is the calm and collected, always the same. And we are the flake who runs and comes and says I don't and says I do and my heart changed and now I don't know and we're the ones who are the flake, not God. Malachi 3.6 says this, I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of of Jacob are not already destroyed. That's why it's so critical. Because it says that God said, I love you. And despite the things that happened in the descendants of Jacob, I can tell you, messed up stuff. God said, you're lucky because I don't change. I knew all of this before, and what I've decided is what I decided. So despite the fact that all these issues have happened and all these shortcomings have come, I haven't destroyed the people of Jacob. It's critical to our relationship because in times when we don't feel God or we don't feel like we're honoring God, our God does not change. Man, that that verse in that one song we sang where it says, when darkness seems to hide his face, we rest on his unchanging grace. Man, that one always hits me because despite what I feel, I know that his grace is rock solid. God does not change and today his grace has not disappeared. It is the same as it was yesterday. Offered the same. It is critical, critical to our existence. What does this mean to us? What is this omniscience? What does that do in our lives? And this is where it gets so critical. When we realize God's omniscience, we realize that we have found the source of truth and knowledge. The single source of truth and knowledge the singular not a the source of knowledge and truth god is the very center of this and we need to turn our our eyes towards him in regards to wisdom this world right now is is flooded with this theory this thought this lie of relativism that what's right for you might not be right for me, and maybe you feel this, but I don't feel this, and maybe it's okay for you. And it's not. There's not really any right or wrong, and it's false. We know that it is not true. John Piper says this, If there is no truth, then there is no truth to appeal to, which leaves only force and might to decide disagreements. Realize how dangerous that is. If there is no truth to turn to to solve issues, all that remains is who is stronger or more violent to solve the issue. That's the work of dictators, murderers, We know that there is real truth, that some things are truly right or wrong, that God spelled it out. A higher knowledge than we've ever understood has set these things forth, and we know it deep within our soul because when a situation arises, people who have no concept of God hate the idea of believing in him appeal to a higher power to solve their problems. I don't believe there's any right and wrong. Do you believe it's okay to rape and murder small children? Well, that's not right. How do you know that? Because a divine power has set up from the beginning that there are rights that are assigned to us and you know it deep down inside your heart that that's not correct. There's something that exists inside of us that knows there is right and there is wrong, even when we don't want to admit it. There's real truth. John 14, 6 says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Emphasis, mine, but that's what it's saying. No one can come to the Father except through me. The way, the truth, the life. That there is a singular source of all truth. And this is why it's so important because when we g- realize God's omniscience, when we realize the great understanding and the great ability for him to know all things in detail, all and throughout, what it does is it changes our perspective because when we disagree with God, our first response isn't to think that God's wrong. Our first response is to think perhaps I'm wrong. It changes us. When we have a disagreement with God, our first thought isn't, I think God's wrong and He'll have to solve this. Our first thought is, perhaps I'm wrong. And I need to seek truth truth, not my feelings, not what other people around me are saying. What is the truth on this issue to realize what is right or wrong? Again, if we believe there's truth, that's the beauty of this. It solves disagreements because truth is truth is truth. No matter how much dirt you pile on top of it, the truth remains the same. If not, all we're left to is force and might to solve these problems. And then it just means the person who yells the loudest or who fights the hardest wins. When we disagree with God on something, we assume perhaps we are wrong. And we begin to work towards truth to solve that issue. When we're faced with a situation that leaves us in a place of uncertainty and not knowing what's next, we can have a boldness and a confidence because we know that there is a true source of truth. If there wasn't, it would be terrifying. There might not be any solution to this, but knowing that we know a God who is omniscient, we know a God who understands all things, when we come to a place of uncertainty, we have confidence because we can seek his face. We can seek him in prayer. We can ask the counsel of wise people to pray with us and to ask God for intervention. And even more than anything else, man, we have God's word, an inspired text that reveals his heart to us. That we're not foolish enough To try to be seeking truth on an issue and not open God's word. I'm telling you, we have to get more passionate about God's word. We have to. The fact that I know there's plenty of you because I sat in the same place. Right now, you probably haven't touched your Bible since last week when you were here. Or weeks before. And you are running a race without eating. You are going to starve yourself to death. The word of God is this amazing, amazing force that reveals God's character to him. Some of people said, I don't understand everything that happens. I understand. You start reading it. And what it does is it starts dropping just little building blocks in your life. And what happens is after this season, all of a sudden you look back and you realize, I know God deeper than I ever have before. You know, I didn't even see the fruit growing as I was reading. And then all of a sudden someone said something to me and I say, you know, that doesn't actually sound like God. Well, how do you know? We've been reading his word. And I've seen what he's like. I've experienced his character. It's critical. If you don't have a Bible that you read on a daily basis, back at guest services, every single week at our church, we have three Bibles. You go back and say, I need a Bible. We'll give you one for free. You lose that one, come back and get a second one. We want you to have God's word in your hands. You take and you open it up to Luke and start reading about the stories of Jesus. If you just would be willing to read the Gospels and hear about Jesus, it would radically change your life. There is so much truth inside of there. And when these situations and uncertainties come, we can, we can search into his word. I'm telling you, there has been thousands of times in my life where I'm reading on a consistent basis, maybe two or three tra- chapters okay, a day, And I'll wake up in the morning with a heavy heart about a certain issue and I will open up to the chapter I'm supposed to read and an answer will appear in it. That's because we serve an omnipotent God who, yes, even understands every path in my life and could he even take and accelerate or slow down my reading to time it perfectly with what I need? Of course he could. And he does. If we avail ourselves to the Bible over a long period of time, we begin to see these amazing divine connections with knowledge. Man, we need to seek, man, seek that truth. We realize also that we can have confidence. Despite moments of uncertainty, we can say this, and I want you to remember this statement. I want you to say it with me in a second. I want you to never forget it. That in moments of uncertainty where we do not know what the answer is, we can boldly say this, I do not know, but I know the one who does. I don't know, but I know the one who does. And confidence can grow inside of our souls. That despite we do not know the circumstance, whatever it is, you're getting out of high school and you're going to step into your life and everyone's asking you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You say, I don't know. But I know the one who does know. That maybe there's a situation in a relationship, a family that's broken out. This is the season, man. If we just had a fight at Thanksgiving and there's going to be another one at Christmas and there's all these problems or marriage is falling apart or whatever and there's so much uncertainty and we can say, you know What? I don't know, but I know the one who does, and that gives me confidence to be able to stand. That I can take a breath of relief and catch my breath. That we might have issues with our finances, where the bills are stacking up and we can't afford all the things that we have, and we're having issues, and the, the, the bills are coming due, and all this different stuff. and And, and how are you going to pay for this? How are you going? I don't know but I know the one who does. And that can give me confidence to stand today in whatever circumstance I find myself in. You need to put that in your tool belt, man. You need to have that with you no matter what comes. I'm telling you, just that statement alone, that will be one of the best witnesses you can ever have. People talk about witnessing all the time. We tell you about how you're supposed to share your faith. Let me tell you what one of the best ways you can share your faith is. Someone asks about a hard time in your life, about an uncertainty, and you to boldly say, you know what, I don't know, but I know the one who does. That just blows the mind of the world who doesn't understand God. What? You're not gonna worry about this? No. No, because I know the one who does know. And in fact, I have a relationship with him and he is so gracious and kind. Man, that right there, people will be like, wait, who, who do you have a relationship with? I'm going to have to talk to this guy. And can I come to church on Sunday with you? Because that's not me. I don't have that. I'll give you one of the greatest witnesses you've ever had. I don't know, but I know the one who does. Just like last week, not only that obviously we would realize that we have this source of truth, but just like last week's message, our confidence and our relationship with the Lord should grow our confidence and understanding of who this god is psalm 69 5 says this oh god you know how foolish i am my sins cannot be hidden from you god knows every detail of our lives and he knows every sin that we might commit with our hands and he also knows every sin we might commit with our mouth and every sin we might commit with our head they have good news bad news The bad news is, nothing is hidden. Nothing. There is nothing hidden in your mind, in your heart from God. If you've thought it or felt it, there is nothing hidden. But let me tell you the good news. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing hidden. The good news and the bad news are the same because this is why we can say these words of saying God knows everything, he knows every detail, and it can feel scary God knows everything I've thought. Wow, that's a mess. But at the same time, it can be relieving because here's the deal your relationship with God isn't based on the fact that you've put on a good enough face, your relationship with God isn't based on the fact that you've played a good enough role. Your relationship with God isn't based on the fact that you've taken and you've, you've made enough effort and you've, you've made enough paintings of, of, of generosity and made enough of this that God didn't see through it and he hasn't actually seen how dirty you are. Your relationship with God isn't based on the fact that you've been keeping up pretenses. Your relationship with God is based on the fact that he loves you knowing every single detail about you. And all of a sudden, a feeling of relief can come because you realize God knows. He's not waiting for somehow to find out that you've been sinning in whatever way you have to say, that's it, we're done. The very second he saved you, he knew of every sin you had ever committed. He knew of the sins that you are struggling with today and God knows the sins you are going to struggle with to the day you die. That there is nothing hidden from beginning to end in your life and yet still our amazing, miraculous, gracious God says, I love you and want a relationship with you. And all of a sudden the confidence can come into that to know, I am messed up, I have everything wrong in my life, but guess what? My relationship with him isn't based on the fact that I hide enough of these sins. He knows about them and yet he still somehow loves me. It's not based on how good I am, it's based on how good he is. That his grace overwhelms the gigantic debt of my sin in my life. And that confidence can grow. I understand we are all struggling and dealing with sins, but can we just breathe a sigh of relief to realize that none of it is hidden from God? You're not hiding something. He knows about it. You're not keeping something back that if revealed is going to negate you from having a relationship with him. He knows it all. And we can confidently talk to him saying, God, thank you so much. And you've known all my shortcomings. You know the ones I'm still struggling with today. You know tomorrow what I'm going to struggle with again, and yet still today you love me. Our confidence can grow stronger knowing that we serve an omniscient God, not a small weak one who doesn't understand us. He understands everything. He knows all the details. And that can give us this confidence. In our relationship with him, nothing's going to change. He doesn't change. And he's already seen everything that you've struggled with. So all that's left is for you to decide. You to decide if you want a relationship with him or not. And that's up to you. You can do it today. Simple. When we finish up here today. You can just bow your head and say, God, sorry. Thank you for dying in my place. Please become the Lord of my life. It's that simple. Asking God in, he already knows. You're not revealing anything to him. He knows every single detail about you. Just accepting that free gift that he reached out his hand and he said, take my hand. I've already paid for all that sin with Jesus. That's the whole point of why Jesus came. Every bit of your debt, it's already paid for. Would you take my hand and let me take you somewhere else? Out of this mud and mire where you sit. You can have confidence, even despite times of uncertainty, that you can stand strong and say, I don't know, but I know the one who does. Would you pray with me for a second? Just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute to give everyone around you some respect that everyone can deal with God on this on their own. Just two quick things. One, if, if you need a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've never started this relationship, maybe you've walked so far away and realizing the fact that God understands everything, it's just brought clarity to your relationship with God. And you say I need that relationship with God. If it's you, I just want to give you a chance, just to respond. And it's really simple. We're going to pray that prayer together. But I just want to give you a chance to respond. And I just want you to raise your hand when I get to three. You raise your hand just as a symbol to God. Say, Yeah, this is me. I'm going to count it down, and you just raise your hand. Don't let it pass if it's you. You know it's you right now. If it is, you know it. You can feel it. One, two, three. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. I see you. Go ahead, raise your hands. Keep them up for a second. I see you here. Do I see you down front? Yes. I see you there in the middle. There, one, two, three, four, five six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. And let us pray together. Let us just pray these words together, believing in our great God. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying in my place. And make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head close, Your head bowed, your eyes closed for one second. I just want to pray over you if there's any of you who are dealing with uncertainty and this is something that really, really robs the joy from your life, I want you just to raise your hand right now just so God can see it. Just go ahead, raise your hand right now. If it's the uncertainty, raise your hand so God can see it. You do it right now and I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray that you would touch these people's lives in a mighty way. That you would show them that they are not trusting a small and weak God. They're trusting the omniscient God who knows every detail of their life. Every uncertainty, in certainty, he understands it. And that you would give them a confidence to stand, knowing that if they have a relationship with you, that you're doing miraculous things in your life, that your word says that you take and you, you lay out the steps of those who belong to you, that you take and you work all things together for the good of those who follow you. And Jesus, that they can stand in confidence, knowing that if they're willing to just raise their eyes and just say, God, I need help, that the omniscient God who knows all and can do all is going to be there to help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.